This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. As we first reported yesterday on Zoomer Radio News, a just-released report by the Federal Auditor General finds the Canada Revenue Agency is violating its Taxpayer Bill of Rights. That Bill of Rights says all taxpayers deserve the same service in the same situation. But AG Michael Ferguson says the treatment you get from the CRA depends on where you live and the friendliness of your tax auditor. Ferguson has found differing lengths of time in regional offices for audits of some of the more difficult files and for taxpayers to get answers after they file new information that could change their tax bills. The Auditor General also says the agency can waive fees and penalties in some cases when imposing them would cause a taxpayer extreme hardship, but that this discretion is used inconsistently. Does any of this sound familiar to you? Have you been audited? And how has your experience been with the Canada Revenue Agency? 416-360-0740. Toll free 1-866-740-4740. On the phone with us is Martin Dompierre, a principal at the Office of the Auditor General of Canada, and tax law expert David Piccolo. Welcome to you both. Hi. Hi. Martin, let's talk first uh, about the concerns of the Auditor General, Michael Ferguson, if you could put them in layman's language for us. So basically, uh, the audit focused on uh, determining whether the, um, the Income Tax Act applied by the agency was consistently uh, uh, done during their compliance activities. We also looked at um, how accurately they reported the results of, of their um, compliance activities. So that was sort of the, the the premise of the objective of the audit. So what we came about is basically examples of inconsistency and in how the uh, the income tax act was was being uh, was being applied. And as you pointed out, there's examples in the report uh, that speaks, for example, that individual that could be providing receipt uh, to support a, a claim expense, and if they're challenged by the CRA, they're given. Um, uh, uh, thir- 90 days to respond specifically uh, to this, and if they don't really respond to the um, to the uh, to, to the CRA, uh, the agency would uh, uh, automatically disallow the expense and would not consider the um, the um, the deduction to be eligible. Okay. Uh, for other taxpayers, such as uh, those with offshore transaction, uh, we found that uh, the time that they provided to them uh, could extend to months and even in some cases years. Uh, as part of our assessment, we did a calculation uh, over the past five years, and we estimated that in, in, in average it took uh, a year and a half for the agency to complete these types of, uh, of, 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 of audits for offshore or international large businesses. How much leeway, Martin, do individual tax auditors have when reviewing or auditing tax returns, or is that part of uh, any kind of legislation? Is that, is that fairly loose? 
Um, the, the Act does provide some, some parameters in terms of how uh, much time uh, a given individual uh, would be uh, subject of an audit. Uh, but when you, when you get a letter from the CRA, uh, most of the time you're giving sort of a precision in terms of time to provide information, and then you're, um, you're sort of, you should be providing that information as a, according, even according to the, to the Act, where they say specifically that um, you need to provide the information that you have to support any expenses you might have. So uh, it may vary also because some of the um, compliance activities may be more complex than, than others, and that's why uh, in the report we made a recommendation specifically to the, to the CRA that they should set some time limits in order to be able to uh, um, provide the taxpayers some sufficient time to be able to provide that information. And that time limit could be different from a, an individual or a, an offshore tra- transaction. But when the time limit has been reached, uh, uh, the agency, according to the, to the Act, uh, uh, has the right to compel uh, specifically a um, a, a taxpayer to provide that information. We wanted to be fair and reached out to the Canada Revenue Agency, hoping that someone from the CRA would come on with us. Uh, that was not the case. Uh, we do not have a guest, uh, but not for lack of trying. But we do have a statement from the CRA to fight back, saying that we welcome the recommendations of the Auditor General as it highlights that we are moving forward in the right direction but can always improve. The CRA is committed to treating all Canadians fairly and consistently. The letter goes on to say from an Etienne Biram at the CRA, as mentioned by Minister Le Boutillier today, that is uh, Diane Le Boutillier, Minister of National Revenue, the CRA continuously strives to apply the law consistently while taking taxpayers' individual circumstances into account in response to the Office of the AG's recommendations, the agency will review its internal processes and procedures to ensure its compliance work follows sound and transparent processes. That being said, not all tax cases are the same. Some audits and reassessments of taxpayers are more complex and time-consuming than others. What do you say to that, Martin? I'd say that, that, in, in, that for all the recommendations we made in the report, um, they did acknowledge that they would take specific action. They agreed with all the recommendation, uh, in particular the one I just described. So uh, I think that's sort of their 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 um, their position in terms of what they're going to do, and they committed to uh, complete these uh, or make these recommendations sort of uh, operational as soon as they can. So I believe that they they'll, they'll they'll be moving in the right direction to try to fix as much as they can the issues and the. Um, observations we've made in, in, in the report. I guess it's like any job where you have uh, government people working with members of the public. People have different uh, levels of empathy. They have different levels of understanding and patience just by the nature of us being people. So how difficult is that to ensure that every tax auditor out there operates in the exact same way? But CRA has procedures that they follow depending on the types of audits that they conduct or the compliance activity they conduct. So they expect people to be able to follow uh, from, from within the auditors to follow the same rules and apply the same rules. Another example we give in the report is that in some case, um, taxpayers were uh, waived penalties and interests because um, the auditor felt that it was not their fault because the banks were not providing the information. 
in some other uh, uh, other circumstance, the, it was the opposite. The, the auditor said it was the fault of the of the of the of the taxpayer. So mm-hmm. again, that's interpretation from within uh, sure. the organization of who should be uh, at fault of not providing the information on time. So it's a matter, I believe, of of applying consistently their own policy from within in order to be able to serve uh, uh, Canadians and taxpayers equally, as, we, as, as pointed out in their own tax bills of rights, where they say that uh, taxpayers are entitled to uh, obtain a similar service or services that, that uh, consistently apply uh, the Income Tax Act. I want to get to our tax law expert, David Piccolo, here in just a moment. But first, to the phones, quickly, uh, because I do want to hear from you as well. Have you ever been audited? How was that experience? Have you been audited multiple times and found a different experience on each occasion? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Mary in Burlington, welcome to Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. I did call in some time ago about the CRA. As far as I am concerned and my experience since 2016, there is no accountability on the part uh, of the CRA. None, absolutely none. Um, I had a problem in 2016 to 2017 uh, through no fault of my own. I wasn't given my T3, T4 slip. The bank said they no longer had to do that. Everything was reported to CRA. When I went to have my tax done, tax return filed, I told them this. And yet, in 2016, I got a letter from CRA saying I owed them a horrendous amount of money based on my income, mark you, over $3,000 and that they had to get it within a certain time. And on right on the heels of that, if I didn't get another one from the government of Ontario saying that I owed them whatever it was, and so I said to them, who is working with whom? What are your qualifications? I am a senior. I get paid through the government. You are paid through the government to take care of business. And yet at the end of the year, this is a bill I am faced with. I I hear your complaint, and I thank you for your story, Mary. Mary from Burlington, I'd like to go to uh, David Piccolo, now our tax law expert. With regards to what Mary is talking about, uh, how much recourse do you have uh, in dealing with uh, your your T4, your tax revenue uh, bill every situation, every year? How much recourse do you have if you're audited? Well, the Income Tax Act has specific provisions stating that you can file a notice of objection when you get a notice of reassessment so or a notice of assessment, and that normally runs for 90 days after you receive it, and then you have an additional year after to file an, an application for an extension of time. Now, I, I'm, I hear the frustration of Marion. It's something that we hear from clients all the, all the time where CRA is organized in a, in a very compa- uh, compartmentalized fashion where Collections is dealing with one aspect of the file. Audit is dealing with another aspect. The appeals division is dealing with objections. And and so there's very much sometimes one hand is not uh, knowing what the other hand is doing, as opposed to maybe having a more uh, comprehensive one person dealing with one individual file. Um, So, I mean, the recourse is available. Is it well publicized? I'm not sure, but there is some ability to deal with it. The next question that's obviously uh, relevant is, 
why are these problems coming up and uh, is it a good use of series resources to see if they can maybe stem the tide and not have to deal with you know, things that should be easily solvable. And by the way, uh, not only are we encouraging you to share your experience with the CRA in the case of an audit, but if you have a question for our tax law expert, David Piccolo, you can call in with that as well, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. When we come back, we'll take a quick break. Our guests, I'll ask you to hang on the line for just a couple of minutes. I want to hear from you, David, uh, about what you should do the minute you get something about an audit, when you get a a request for an audit or a request for information. We'll talk about that next in just a moment. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. We're talking about inconsistencies in tax audits by the CRA and joining us on the line, Martin Dompierre in the Office of the Auditor General of Canada and tax law expert David Piccolo. David, I wanted to ask you uh, after the break, and here we are, uh, how are you notified by the CRA if there is a problem with your tax return? Because there, there's the, all of the CRA scams out there as well. So first of all, how do we know it's legitimate? Well, at first instance, you should be requesting correspondence in writing. It's your right to, as a taxpayer to ask them to send you whatever they want to send you in writing. The scam phone call individuals will not have the ability to send anything to you in writing. So to the, to the extent that you are not satisfied that these individuals are actually from CRA, feel free to request the call and write or the information in writing and deal with them that way. You're not compelled to speak with CRA over the phone oftentimes, or you would hope that that would be the way that you can deal with simple matters, but to the extent that you're not comfortable, you feel free to request it in writing and deal with it when it comes in writing. So all audits, notices of reassessments, any important documentation that you're getting from CRA is really going to be done in writing. The only time you're going to get a phone call is oftentimes from collections, which is uh, which is why these um, you know the phone the phone scammers on you know try to call as collection individuals because otherwise uh, there's really no reason why CRA is going to be calling uh, the average taxpayer. David, we have a lot of calls here waiting for you. So just if we can keep this part quick, once you've determined that it is a legitimate request for an audit. Then what do you do? Well, it, it, it sort of depends on what is being requested. So if, you're, if you have a simple, uh, I don't want to call it simple, but if you have a matter that's very, or a tax filing that is normally very simplistic, where you normally get a few slips from your employer, from the bank, etc., and your tax return filing is pretty straightforward, then to the extent that it's just a matter of gathering the relevant documents. So oftentimes they will be your tax slips. They're all the T4s, T3s, any slip that starts with T. And you start of gathering that documentation. As it gets more complicated, if you're a business owner, a small business owner, 
perhaps it might make sense if you are using uh, an accountant to help you uh, prepare your returns, then it might make sense at that point to contact your accountant to see whether it makes sense to get them involved because some of these audits can get complicated in terms of just the the sheer amount of, of documents that may be requested. To the extent that it's going to the line of... Um, maybe larger dollars and or you're dealing with special investigations, which is CRA's unit that deals with audit, both civil and criminal side, dealing with, you know, certain projects. At that point, you may want to speak to a tax lawyer as well. Okay. Um, well, but, since yeah. we have a tax lawyer on the line or a tax law expert, and obviously you're a tax lawyer, let's go to Ron in Guelph. Ron's got a question for you. Go ahead, Ron. Okay. I'll set the scenario um, they sent me an audit, CRA, saying, or they were supposed to have, saying that I owed them $12,000. Well, uh, I didn't get it in the mail. I never saw it. I had issues with my mail, but that's another story. So I didn't get the objection filed in time. So they said, okay, now here's the money. So I ended up paying $12,000 because the CRA doesn't send out anything on registered mail. Why not? Ron, or uh, rather... Um David, go ahead. Could you answer Ron's question? Well, specifically why they don't send things by registered mail, I I, I mean, I I could theorize that CRA doesn't necessarily want to incur, you know, $3.6 million, like 3.6 million taxpayers. They're issuing assessments to each year. To do it by registered mail, the costs do start to add up. Now, in your particular circumstance, if they, you know, the burden is on the minister to show that they actually sent the assessments, and we've dealt with clients where CRA has not been able to prove that they actually sent the notice of assessment, and that was the basis to have the reassessment vacated or basically ripped up. Uh, I don't know necessarily what happened in your particular circumstance, but uh, you know there is some recourse. I, what, what I would say is there is part of part of the frustration is that when you interact at the first level of CRA. They're they're not giving you the particularities of the act in part because they don't know it. Um, also, they're sort of relying on their procedures working perfectly, which we all know it doesn't work perfectly either. Things get lost in the mail. Things never get sent out. It's sent to a wrong address, etc. Okay. Um, so it sometimes is worth to sort of inquire this further as to where did they send it, what did they, when did they send it, how okay. did they send it as sort of a way to see if you could potentially resolve it that way. Okay, running out of time, but let's go to Dan in East York. Go ahead, Dan, quickly. Hi. I was audited this summer. About seven years ago, I purchased a house, and I used my RRSPs to, towards the down payment. I didn't realize that you had to put that money back, and I don't remember reading anything or seeing anything about that. And I was, um, I was hit with big fines and um, penalties because I haven't put my money, money that I took out of my RRSPs to pay my the, 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 my new home. And right. so, um, do I have any recourse at all, or do I just, I, I paid it, but I'm just wondering whether um, I have any recourse in this matter. David? Well, as part of the home buyer's plan, you do have to make repayments. According now, to the, see, that's what they're told. They told me I needed to make repayments, and I didn't, and that's why they fined me. Yeah, so to the extent that you can, you, you do, you are required by the Income Tax Act to make repayments. Now, and I think what's actually interesting is your, this fact pattern actually applies to the AG's report where 
um, the the auditor general noted that CRA's pro, proactive um, waiver of penalties and interest only exists in certain instances and not necessarily in other instances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this would I would be a, pretty hard. So I, where, I thought it was a bit overdone myself. But. Yeah, so this is an instance where the CRA has some discretion to waive interest and penalties. Some of the, some of the issues involving TFSAs and RRSPs have put people offside sometimes inadvertently, in which case this may be a circumstance where relief might be justified. Well, this this sounds like a conversation that maybe uh, Dan can follow up with you off the air. And Dan, I'm going to let you go. But uh, David, is there a website, phone number um, that people can call you if they'd like to uh, follow up with questions from this segment? Yeah, I were, I my phone number is at 416-847-7300. And I'm a lawyer at Tax Chambers. It's taxchambers.ca, um, and you can reach out, email, phone, whatever works. Taxchambers.ca. Yes. And four one six eight four seven 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 three zero. No, seven three zero zero. Seven three zero zero. Let me give it one more time. Four one six eight four seven seven three zero zero or taxchambers.ca. David, thank you so much. Thank you. And Martin at the Auditor General of Canada, Martin Dampierre, we also appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.